Today we're going to start a brand new series um, on, that I'm just entitling Toxic Emotions. And we're going to be looking through the book of Proverbs and some wisdom literature of the scripture to kind of glean from and maybe help solve some of our toxic emotions. Now, last Sunday on Easter Sunday, we had some special visitors with us here in person, uh, but they will be joining us uh, later online. If you can help me welcome all of the men at Valley of Grace Recovery Center. I didn't forget you. So glad to have you guys tuning in with us, praying us for your journey as you go. Toxic emotions. We live in a very emotional world today. Emotions seem to rule everything. Uh, people's feelings seem to be dictating their truth. Their feelings seem to be dictating their realities. Uh, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these emotions and what the scripture has to say about it. And today we're going to really start off with a banger. And we're going to talk about anger. Anger. We live in an increasingly growing angry world, don't we? The majority of people would all agree that the world is getting angrier. And uh, if you don't believe that, I mean, just turn on the news, uh, go on to social media. There's some, there's some angry folks out there, let me tell you. And uh, um, in 2019, 82% of people admitted to committing an act of road rage in the past year. 82%. And uh, this morning, uh, I, I saw that last night, uh, probably around 1 in the morning, here in Kokomo, that there was a reported road rage incident that led to shots being fired. Like, that was like a few hour, like hours ago. And although, I don't know what escalated the situation, but that's just it. People escalate their anger in these ways. Uh, in the United States... Uh, in a seven-year period, there was 12,610 injuries and 218 murders that were attributed to road rage. These are some angry people. 65% of people have experienced some kind of anger outburst in the workplace. Um, and maybe you're like, you're just slunching your seat a little bit, like, I don't know what they're talking about. But Jesus said this. This is what Jesus said. He said, peacemakers are the sons of God. Peacemakers are the children of God. And what I would say to you is this, is that your basic disposition to conflict points to whether or not you are acting like a child of God. Your basic disposition to conflict points as to whether or not you're acting like a child of God. For many people uh, that have a root of anger in their heart, anger is their emotional response to everything. They're annoyed, they're angry. If they're sad, they're angry. If they're disappointed, angry. Uh, everything comes out as anger. Proverbs 14, 7, we're going to look at a lot of different verses in the Proverbs. Proverbs is wisdom literature in the scripture. And if you open up, if you read Proverbs, um, it doesn't read like a story, okay? Um, it reads like Twitter. 
Twitter, you get 144 characters to make your little tweet. That's Proverbs. Proverbs is, is short, wise sayings. And, uh, and if you have ever been through our discipleship track here at New Life, whether it be T1 or T2 or T3, um, then you were assigned to read a proverb a day. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Therefore, you could read the chapter of Proverbs for whatever today is. So today, I think, is April 16th, maybe. Am I right? Okay. Today is, I just remembered Easter was the 9th. So today is April 16th. So you could read Proverbs chapter, so you, you get it, Proverbs chapter 16. And so this is something I did when I was in middle school or in high school. I would read the Proverbs of the day. A lot of wise sayings, and I, and I love digging into the Proverbs, and that's where we're going to be in this series. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs, and we're going to see several today. This is what Proverbs 14, 7 says. It says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. <laughs> I'm only laughing at myself. You see, something happens in our brain when we experience anger. Enzymes are released in our brain. The blood flows from our body to our major muscle groups in order to prepare for a fight. And this is a really, really good thing. Because if you face danger, you want this to happen. If you face danger, you want all the blood to rush into your major muscle groups and prepare to fight real danger. This is not a good thing if there is no real danger. Because here's what happens. These enzymes release in your brain. All the blood flows to your major muscle groups. And they say that you could lose 25% of your IQ when you're angry. And let's just pretend that we're all average here today. That helps bring me up on, on the, well, what, what do you call that in school? You grade on a, on, on a curve. So on a curve, let's say I'm 100, all right? Because that means some of you are greater. Let's call us, we're all IQ 100 today. Now let's say that we get angry. And we lose 25% of our IQ. That takes us from 100 to 75 so if 100 is an average IQ of an adult, the, the IQ that they determine is mentally handicapped is 70. So when we're angry, we are this close to being mentally handicapped and we're trying to solve a problem. If you're married, <laughs> well, why'd you grunt like that? <laughs> And you're both angry. You have two seemingly mentally handicapped people, IQ-wise, trying to solve an important problem. How's that working out for you? This is why a grown man will take a perfectly healthy fist and put it to a brick wall. The wall's going to win. <laughs> Some of you are like, I know, I tried. And then it's like, you do something like that, and you wonder, what in the world was I thinking? Well, you couldn't think, because you just, you became stupid. 
Okay, when you're angry, let's just, let's just call it what it is. You become stupid when you're angry. The word of God says a quick-tempered person does what? Foolish things. Foolish things. There's a second emotion that does the same thing as anger. You'll lose 25% of your IQ and be that close to being mentally handicapped. And that is sexual arousal. So if one is being led in temptation sexually, guess what? <laughs> right? You just, you just, you don't make smart decisions. When you're angry and, you've, and you're operating on that level of IQ uh, mentally, and, and, and listen, this is a good thing when there is danger. But if there is no true danger, you're the true danger. When there's, when there's no true danger, and it's just because they didn't use their turn signal, or they forgot you wanted your, your potatoes mashed and not baked, when you ordered Coke and not Diet Coke, when he left his underwear on the floor and not in the hamper, Listen, those things may be annoying, but it's not true danger. And if you get angry, you become the danger. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. What are the kind of foolish things that we, that we do when we're angry? Well, we're going to talk about one. We, uh, there, there's guys that punch walls. Um, and I'm not here to tell myself today, so I'm going to reserve all my personal stories. Okay, whatever. <laughs> my anger trigger, when I, I'm talking like, like IQ 72 anger, is I throw things. Yeah. Anything that's near me, I will throw. And it, I, I've thrown pencils. And when I was 14, I threw a bottle of barbecue sauce across the kitchen and exploded on the wall. And I... Had to clean up before my mom got home, but it's too late. It stained the wallpaper. What was I thinking? I wasn't. I wasn't. I was angry because my brothers tricked me and I uh, got water on me. They pranked me over water, and so I threw barbecue sauce. Does it make sense now? Absolutely not. Does it make sense when holes get punched in walls? No, of course it doesn't make sense. Does it make sense when, when you said, and terribly hurtful things to your spouse only because you're angry about that one insignificant thing that when you think back, you remember what you said or did to, to hurt them, but you actually don't even remember why you were mad in the first place. It's because when there is no true danger and you can't control anger, you become the true danger. So, so, so the, this is why when fights break out, uh, the, the, we make outrageous claims, we say things that we don't, truly mean. Uh, this is why, like, uh, in so many uh, arguments between spouses, like, the, the D word starts getting thrown around. That's it. I want a divorce. I'm leaving. I'm packing, and I'm leaving, and I'm not coming back. And you don't. And you don't. You're angry. And this kind of anger is danger. And, and this kind of anger, if not dealt with, can cause deeper and deeper issues. Men, they, they do this thing when they're angry that they become so angry that they, and, and the blood rushing out of the brain that, uh, that they can't even put words together. 
There's been a couple times that I've talked to my kids that way. I'm like, just nothing's coming out because I got nothing going on up here. Nothing's going on up there. It's all, it's all here. And, uh, and this, is not, this is not good anger. This is not good anger, right? I think we can all agree with that. And, uh, and so, so Jesus actually says some things about anger too in Matthew 5, 22. This is what he says. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, or in other words, you idiot, you moron, is answerable to court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire in hell. Now, have you ever connected you calling someone an idiot to the fire of hell? Probably not, but Jesus makes that connection. The word here for hell is actually a hell here on earth, Gehenna. It was the, it was the city dump. In other words, what Jesus is saying, if you keep calling people idiots, if you keep being loose with your anger and your tongue, your life will be the dumpster. Because if you keep talking to people that way, you will eventually be alone. You'll eventually be alone. And you will experience a separation and a hell here and now, and if you're not careful, you'll experience that kind of judgment there and forever. So, how are you doing with this? So, I mean, that's, if I were to pull up a chair with you today, I'm, a, I'm essentially asking all of us, how are we doing with this? And, uh, again, let's look at James chapter 1. This is, this is James, the brother of Jesus, chapter 1, verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Our world today does all of this the opposite way, right? We, uh, the world today is more like quick to become angry, quick to speak, and I'm not going to listen. So be slow to speak slow to become angry, quick to listen, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God deserves. So, so, so in other words, our behavior should reflect the treatment that God deserves. How are you doing with that? Here's some other wisdom on the matter in Proverbs. And this is not an exhaustive list. I just didn't want to overwhelm you with all of the verses in Proverbs that deal with anger. There, there, are, there are several. But let's look at a few. Proverbs 29, 22. Again, Proverbs, it's like Twitter, right? And what I love about Proverbs is you, you might see a little wise saying. And if one of these clicks with you, I encourage you, take a picture, write it down. And, and because you might need to put this somewhere. You might need to make this the lock screen of your phone as a constant reminder. That's what's so wonderful about some of these wisdom things. This is what Proverbs 29, 22 says. An angry person stirs up conflict. And a hot-tempered person commits many sins. All because they can't control their anger. Proverbs um, 22, this is what it says in the 24th verse. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or what? 
or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Here's what I've learned about anger. It's contagious. If you hang out with angry people, you will be an angry person. If you're an angry parent, you'll have angry kids. And if I were an angry pastor, we'd have an angry church. <laughs> I've been to one. I've been to some, man. I'm like, this church is angry. I wonder why. And then I heard the pastor preach. I'm like, hmm, that guy's angry. Anger is contagious. So listen, if you think, well, I know I got to deal with my anger problem. I know it's affecting my life. But it's just too hard. No, it's not just affecting your life, dude. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your children. It's affecting your workplace. It's affecting your employees. It's affecting your evaluation. It's affecting your schoolwork. It's affecting everything. It's contagious. So don't hang out with angry people. Now, again, these are wisdom sayings. These are, in general, these are always true, okay? So if you're like, well, you're angry, not my friend. That's not what we're saying. We're, we're talking about, the, about using wisdom in these matters, okay? Proverbs 14, 29, this is what it says. It says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, or another word would be wisdom. It takes wisdom to learn how to control your anger. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly or mistakes, foolishness. Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. I think one, I think one translation says it's better than warriors. So if you're slow to anger, it's better than being a warrior. I mean, when you hear warrior, what do you picture in your mind? Oh, right? You think of like intensity. And the Lord's saying, yeah, but if you can actually be slow to controlling that kind of passion and intensity, you're stronger than warriors. It takes more strength to do that. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Wow, you have the strength to take a city, but you don't have the strength to control your spirit? I'll take the latter. So, question today, now what do I do with my anger? I think that's a question that maybe we've all asked at some point. But what do I do with my anger? Well, we've already talked about how toxic anger can be, how it affects other people, and how destructive it can be. But what do I do with my anger? Well, if someone has an anger problem, I'm talking about like they, they truly have an anger problem. Like, like, like they would even say, I have a temper. Like, like if you can truly say, I have a short fuse, I have a temper, then you likely might struggle with anger in your life and uh, more times than not I would say as a general rule and I almost mean 100% of the time if someone really struggles with anger the anger is just the surface level issue that you can see but there's something under the surface you don't see and that's the root of the anger and so what people will do is they'll continue trying to work on the surface level thing if I can just find a way to cut anger out of my life if I can just cut anger out of my life. Well, the anger is like the sprout you see at the surface. You keep cutting it off, but that's, that thing keeps growing back. Because anger is just a manifestation of a deeper issue, a root issue in your life. It might be unforgiveness, hurt, 
pain, resentment, whatever it may be, there is a root issue, and you got to deal with the root to get deal with the anger. So if I can just get anger out of my life, well, I'll also share with you, I don't think you need to get anger out of your life, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But what do I do with my anger? Anger is a symptom of a root issue. The root will need to be dug up and removed, which means you're going to have to deal with the thing that you don't want to deal with. And that's hard, I know. Also, some try to deal with anger with something that we, we call venting. <laughs> I'm just venting. Can I just vent for a moment? And, uh, and, and venting essentially is maybe it's ta- even taking an act of aggression out so that you don't do it to the person you want to. And so, uh, so you might like pretend that this, this target down there is your boss's face. And you've had a bad day at work. So you go, you put your boss's face out in the backyard, and then you go get your 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> bam, bam. Or like maybe you've seen it in movies where someone goes, they go to see a shrink, they lay on the couch, and like, I'm just so angry. And the shrink comes over with a little pillow. You know, punch the pillow, you'll feel better. You know, that's just trying to clip anger off. I'm just trying to get anger. And so essentially what venting does, if, if you're like, I, to deal with my anger, I, uh, may, you fill in the blank. And maybe you, you think you're doing it in healthy ways. I'm, I'm going to go for a run. Or maybe you don't do it in healthy ways. I'm angry, so I, I'm, I'm just going to drink a little more than I should. I'm just angry. I'm going to drink. I'm angry, so I'm going to, I'm going to smoke. I'm angry, so I'm going to, you know, succumb to temptation. I'm angry, so I'm going to just like take my rage out, and I, I'm going to break stuff. And because, but, you know, I'm not hurting people. I'm just breaking stuff, and it's going to make me feel better. Well, venting essentially is just the pressure gauge on anger. The anger obviously has built up as a pressure in you, and venting just relieves a little bit of that pressure. But guess what? The moment you're done venting, the pressure begins building again. You have to deal with causing the pressure. That's that root issue. And so people just live their whole life just letting a little pressure off, letting a little pressure off. Oh, I'm just blowing off some steam. I'm just, I'm just getting this off my back. But in reality, you're a ticking time bomb. And, and when that thing goes off, nobody wants to be in your path. Why? Because foolishness begins to take place. So what do I do with my anger. And I'm going to give you four things from the scripture. Now, I didn't make these up. I'm going to show you in the scripture four things that can help you curb the problem of anger, okay? The first one I'm going to show you is this. It's Proverbs 19.11. And some of you are like, yeah, 19.11. Let's go. <laughs> no. No, that's not what I'm saying. This is what it says. Good sense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, okay? So how, remember, we talked about having a bad sense when we're angry. Well, good sense makes one slow to anger, and watch this, this is gonna hurt some of you. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Yeah, overlook an offense. That's gonna be hard for somebody. So the first thing I, w- I want to give you and how to deal with your anger is this. Number one, just let it go. Just let it go. And I know that sounds difficult. 
because something in you longs for justice. I just want them to know that they are wrong. I just want them to know that this is not Diet Coke. I just want them to know that they cut me off. I'm going to let them know with a finger. I'm going to, I just, it's, there's something else that longs for justice. But when you intervene with your kind of justice, it's not the righteousness that God desires. That's the problem. Just let it go. Now, obviously, you're probably thinking, but if you let all things go, that's probably not a healthy thing to do. You become a rug. Okay, again, Proverbs is wisdom literature. In general, these are always true. Because a lot of times you can even find a proverb that almost seem like they contradict each other. It's because it takes wisdom to know when to apply it. Okay, so am I saying, okay, well, pastor said to let it all go, so I'm going to let them keep beating me. That's not what I'm saying. It takes wisdom. But let's just talk in general. If you think about every single thing that annoyed you, frustrated you, or made you angry for the last year, okay, if you let 100% of all of it go in the moment it happened, you would probably only regret letting go of 2% of all the things that you encountered. That's it. Probably just 2%. But the problem is, we usually only let go of about 2%. <laughs> we respond to the 98. Just let it go. I'm talking about letting go. Uh, one time I was... Um, I would like to say that I'm a good driver. My wife's not here to defend herself. <laughs> I would like to say I'm a decent driver. I've been called grandpa, whatever. Um, but I, I feel like I, I control the road a bit. And uh, I had a passenger one time, and we're, we're going to a meeting together. It's about an hour and a half drive. And the whole time he's going, this guy, he cut you. And I'm just like, bro, chill. He's like, you're just going to let him just cut you off like that? I'm like, yeah, so we don't die. <laughs> Merge. Oh, I see you. I see you trying to cut in when you should have just laid back because you yielded me. But hey, go ahead and merge. Because it's not going to change my life. What's one car length? I mean, the guy that hurries past you, cuts in, and then you reach a stoplight. My granddad always would say, Oh, there he is. Hurry up and stop. You know, and like you're one car in front of me. Congratulations. You can have it. Like that's my mentality. You can have it. You can have it. Fine. If that makes you feel better, you can have it. And it, I don't get it. And this person is just getting upset about people driving. I'm like, I'm the one driving. Why are you upset? He's like, why are you upset? I'm like, because I just let it go. You got to learn how to let it go. Because if you keep responding to every annoyance and every frustration, gosh, you're just going to be an angry person. So let it go. If you let go of 100% of all things in a year, you'll probably realize, I, I'm actually living quite better. And there's probably 2% of things I should have responded to, and that's where you need to have the wisdom to know when you need to respond in the right ways. Come on, did that help anybody? I know that's tough, but you just got to let it go. You just got to let it go. The second thing, more wisdom literature in Scripture is in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, this is what it says. The end of a matter is better 
than its beginning. If you're a husband here today, how true that is. That the end of a matter is better than the beginning. And patience is better than what? It's better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Yeah. So let it go. Nudge your neighbor and say, let it go. Some of you, that meant something because you rode in the car here together today. (laughs) I'm not letting it go. Don't touch me. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's look at that. So number one, just let it go. Don't hold on to this stuff. Number two, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter four. This is what Paul says. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. So I can be angry? Yes, you can be angry. I think you probably need some more anger in your life, honestly. No, you do, you do. Because listen, listen, you need to have angry about, anger about the right things. The problem is we, we spend all of our anger energy focusing on the wrong things. So the second thing is this, focus your anger on the right things. And then when these little things come up, traffic, someone disrespected you, workplace troubles, you've already used all of your anger energy on the right things, and you're like, I got nothing left for that. Like, like hey, I wanted a baked potato and a mashed potato. Oh, we can get that. Thank you so much. I'll, yeah, no, I'll wait. It's no problem. Because you've already, you're angry about, the, about better things than these insignificant things. Things. So in your anger, do not sin. We see that Jesus, Jesus got angry on multiple occasions, and he is just and righteous. So how do we handle then the tension that lives between, um, the tension between we can't afford to allow anger to become a problem in our life, and being angry about the right things. Well, this is how I would say it. I would say it like this. If anger is absent, then we lack passion. But if it's a problem, it will destroy your life. So I'm not saying, you, sometimes people say, I just need to get the anger out. No, you don't. You just need to reallocate anger to the right things. Because without it, we'll lack passion. So, so if you're going to be angry, if you're going to be angry, then be angry that children are hungry. Be angry that, that kids need fostered and cared for. If you're going to be hungry, be, if you're going to be angry, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> hey. We call that hanger, don't we? Ah, see, they are connected after all. But if you're going to be angry... Be angry at injustice in our world that girls are enslaved around the world and sold for sex. Be angry that drugs are invading our community and ruining people's lives. Be angry and do not sin. And Jesus, flipping tables, says, this will be a house of prayer. See, he was angry about the right things. If you focus your anger on the right things, you won't have the energy to be angry 
about the wrong things, the little things, the insignificant things. But if anger is absent from our life, we'll lack passion. You see. So if you put your anger where it needs to be, you won't have time for anger in wrong places. Next, we're going to look at how somebody in the scripture handled their anger. And you know how we know how they handled handled their anger? We know how they handled it because they wrote it down. He wrote a poem. And David, in Psalm 3, this is what he wrote. He said, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. Like, that's what people are saying about him. God's not going to deliver you, dude. You're toast. He says, but you, Lord... You are a shield around me, my glory. The one who lifts my head high, I call out to the Lord. He answers me from his holy mountain. I lay down in sleep and I wake again. Why? Because God, the Lord, sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. And, and so in reality, he's trapped. But he says, no, no, the Lord is my shield. He is my protector. And so when it comes to anger, the third thing I want to tell you is this. Always affirm lots and lots of truth first. Affirm truth first. Because when David looked around, what did he see? Tens of thousands of people want him dead. His own son was plotting a revolt against him, against his life, to kill his father, to have his throne. That's what's happening. And, and, and the, he looks around and reality says, you don't have a chance. But what does he say? He, he affirms lots of truth first. He affirms that, that the Lord is his shield. He affirms the Lord is the lifter of his head. He affirms that God answers him when he calls. He affirms that God is the sustainer of his life. So, so before you get angry about your disappointments, you need to affirm lots and lots of truth. You know what? My life's not so bad. You know what? God is always taking care of me. You know what? Work may, be, may stink right now, but guess what? I'm so thankful I have work because work is a blessing. I have income. I'm thankful that I have my spouse and the journey that we've been on and I may be frustrated right now but that does not define our marriage and I may be frustrated with this child but it does not define their life and our relationship you affirm lots and lots of truth first and then you go I'm not so mad after all because God's still good and I'm still extremely grateful affirm lots of truth first. So you mad at life? Well, the Lord is a shield around me. He lifts my head. I call and he answers me. He stains me. He's a good shepherd. He's my savior. He's my healer. God, you're my comforter. God, you're my friend. Okay, I have some debt. But I have the Lord. Okay, I'm not having a good time at work. But man, my God is awesome. Man, I'm not, I'm not man, this, this marriage is tough. But Jesus is the center of it. Affirm lots of truth first. So one, just let it go. Two, focus your anger on the right things. Three, affirm lots and lots of truth first. And the fourth is this, from Psalm chapter three. 
This is the latter part of what David just prayed. <laughs> this is kind of, it shifts. It's a little plot twist in his prayer here. First he's like, oh God, but you, you're awesome. You're for me. You're my shield. You hear me? And then this is what, then, then this is what David says. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. Break their teeth. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May, the, may you bless your people. That was, a, that was a different thing. That was a whole different prayer in the same prayer. Oh, Lord, you're with me. Break their teeth out. You see, God's okay with your honesty. He is. This is the fourth thing I want to tell you. Take your offenses and the offender to the Lord. You see, David took what the anger he did have to the Lord. He said, Lord, thank you for being there with me. I really want you to break their teeth out. <laughs> Amen. And guess what? David didn't go break their teeth out. But he took that, uh, the, the raw, the real offense. God, I'm hurt by what they did. I'm disappointed. Why has this always happened to me? And you take that offense, you verbalize it in a real prayer with real words, and you take it to God. And you leave it there. Crush their skulls, break their teeth out. You leave it with that, you leave that with the Lord. You, don't, you, you do not bring that to the house. You don't take that to work. But what do I do with my anger? Ah! You take it to the Lord and you leave it there. Why? Well, because his throne is made of justice and righteousness. Oh, this offender, I'm so mad. Take it to the Lord, break their teeth, and then leave it there. Leave it. And then you go back and you do not sin. Take the offense and the offender to the Lord and leave it there because his throne is made of justice and righteousness. Psalm 137 is a poem. I'm going to wrap up really, really quick here. The kids, I can hear them. They're crying. <laughs> Psalm 137 is a poem written by a Hebrew priest. This Hebrew priest had been taken captive uh, into Babylon and, uh, by Nebuchadnezzar. We don't know his name, but he wrote a poem about what happened here in Psalm 137. Uh, and so what happens, though, if you, when you're captured and you're taken into Babylon, if you're over the age of 30, they kill you because they don't have use for you. If you're under the age of 8, they kill you because they don't have any use for you. If you're in that age range, then they'll use you for their own work and for their own thing. Um, so if you're under the age of 8, they kill you. And what they would do, they would take babies, they'd grab them by the feet, and they would bash them against rocks in front of the crowd just to, just to show them we're in control and you're not. This is true, and you're going to see it in the Scripture here in a second. And so this priest, obviously, like in a day, lost his job, lost his family. I won't tell you what they did with the wives, and he lost his kids. How does he deal with this? Well, he writes a poem to the Lord, and this is what he says. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. We remember where we came from. There, are, there on the poplars, we hung our harps for, for, 
For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors demanded uh, the songs of joy and they said, sing us the songs of Zion. In other words, those that enslaved us and did all these horrible things, now they want, to entertain, they want us to entertain them? It's how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? I will for, if I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. My, my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell, and it was evil things that took place. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. And this is what he says. Oh, daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. He's taking his anger to the Lord and saying, whoever gets to have revenge on them, happy are they. But I leave vengeance to you, Lord. Take your offense and the offender to the Lord whose throne is righteousness and justice and leave it there. So what do I do with my anger? You take it to God, you, real prayer, be vulnerable. He, he appreciates your honesty and then you leave it there and you do not sin. Take it to God and leave it there. God is in control, and he loves, listen, God loves justice and righteousness. And then when I give it to him, and I don't intervene with my justice and righteousness, well, then God's will prevail. But I agree, it can be very, very frustrating because God doesn't work in our timeline. Or you may think, see, I took my offense and offender to God, and they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it. And you want to go intervene. You want to go give them peace of your mind. But then your, then your justice will prevail, and God's won't, and you're not going to have a happy ending. Because here's the, here's, the, here, here's the big idea here, is that God is better at justice and mercy, justice and righteousness, than you are. You're going to have to remember that. When you actually take whatever's upsetting you, your boss, your work, your employees, your spouse, your family, your mother-in-law, <laughs> and you take that offense and the offender to God and you leave it there. And when you do that, it will force you to have real trust in God and not yourself. When we intervene with our anger out of trying to see our justice and righteousness prevail. It's actually distrust in God. So what do I do with my anger? Well, one, let it go. Let, like, really, let it go. Two, focus your anger on the right things. Three, affirm lots and lots of truth. And lastly, take the offense and the offender to the Lord whose throne is justice and righteousness. Would you stand with me real quick this morning? God, I pray that every word this morning was your word. I pray that our hearts, God, have been surgically operated on by your word today. 
Lord, for those that anger has been a root in their life, I pray that today starts a new way of looking at it, a new way of journeying with it. That, Lord, that there are so many things that we just got to let go. We got to let go. And there's other ways we need to realign, reappropriate our anger to what matters most. And we need to then remember a lot, a lot of truth about how good you are, that you are a God of justice and righteousness, and, and you're better at it than we are. And ultimately, God, I pray that today, somebody today, they're going to take the offense and the offender to you, and they're going to leave it there. And the burden and the weight will be lifted. I bless you to know that you have a God that is okay with your honesty. You have a God who reigns in justice and righteousness, and he loves it. And you can trust him to be just. And you can trust him to be righteous. And you have a God who loves you even when you struggle with your anger. You have a God who's better at justice and mercy than you are. So take it to the Lord and leave it there. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.